Hey, how's everybody doing today? It's Brandon from the Life of an Average Joe podcast, obviously, because you're listening to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Man, I tell you what, I tried to record this thing like three times. I had a power outage, just a random blip. It felt like Thanos snapped, and I guess I made it, so I was curious to see who didn't make it. Then I had the Wi-Fi go down. Then I had my computer act up. I was like, you know what, am I even going to record this today, or am I just going to call it a day? But I'm here, and I'm very happy you guys are here. And I wanted to do a little short story from an average Joe, uh, shorter podcast, you know, if you will, uh, as we, uh, man, we are almost done with September. I don't, I, I, I don't know what happened. It was like June, then it was August, and now it's almost October. And thank God, I love this time of year. And we've actually uh, are slated to have some, uh, of course, right now as I'm recording it, it's it's not the end of September, but um, we've got some cooler days for Texas. And I'm not talking like 89, I'm talking like some 77, some 76s, some, you know, coming up down the pipe here. And, and that's crack the windows open. That's roll the windows down. That's, you know, let's, in Texas terms, you got to wear, you got to wear a hoodie. I mean, Seriously. If you're like me and you're from Michigan, you got to wear a hoodie now because this is it. This is it. Now, don't get me wrong. We did have snow two years in a row, so fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, last year, I don't know if, I think it was last year was Icepocalypse and then Snowpocalypse the year before, so uh, hopefully the power grid doesn't go down again in our lovely state of disaster here. Um, but you know what? I can't complain. I mean, look at what's going on with the water situation in Mississippi. What is that? Like two and a half weeks now they can't drink their water. Meanwhile, our country's just, you know, sending money all across the world and can't even help out its own people. And that's what it feels like. Whether that's true or not, that's what it feels like. And I'm all for helping people. But, you know, what if we sent like, like when Flint had their water crisis because of corruption and the way that certain people in Michigan ran their crappy uh, government. Um, what if the president would have sent, and I think Trump did do something. I know. As soon as I said Trump, people are like, oh, God. You either are like, oh, God, or you're like, yeah, bring back my boy. That's that's it. There's no in the middle. Well, I'm a middle guy. I can talk about things that people do that are good, whether I like them or not. So there you go. Um, I think he did do some things. He did send some money and all that. And there are some people prosecuted, but not enough. He still didn't do enough. So what if we took a billion dollars that we sent over to the Ukraine and actually gave it to Mississippi and then put the governor in jail because that's where he, he deserves to be? You know, what if we did that? What if we said, what do we need to fix this water problem? Oh, it's going to cost, you know, $5 billion. Well, we just sent God knows how many billion overseas to the Ukraine. What if we just gave that to Mississippi? Am I the only one that, like, think this, that that's okay? All right, anyway, that's enough. That's enough politics. I, I ranted. And one of the comments I get is, sometimes Brandon goes down the rabbit hole. I live in the rabbit hole. So, there you go. 
This story, though, I want to talk it. I want to bring it back to 2014. Really, it started 2013. But I want to take it back to 2014. Major changes going on where I lived in Frisco. Major. And I was heavily involved in the bar scene. I mean, we're talking like heavily involved in the bar scene, obviously. This was not like I was on my way out. Actually, at the time, I didn't think I was going to be on my way out. I thought eventually... I would get my own bar, which, you know, could have happened, almost happened, didn't happen. And then it never even came close. But um, I thought that I would, this is what I was going to do. You know, that was the, the end game, you know. Um, and so I was very much involved. And, I, and if I look back at where I was working, and some of this is, you can read about lifeofanaveragejoepodcast.com if you want to get up on that train. Um so I won't go into that details where I was working, but the bars in Frisco and really restaurants too, we're talking even the Applebee's in Frisco, you know, which does have a full bar, albeit crappy food and bad drinks. It's cheap somehow, some way, despite them shutting down a bunch of stores, they're still around. By the way, guys, they, uh, they don't cook anything there. Really? They actually have like no joke. Probably one, two, six microwaves, maybe seven, maybe eight above their line. And they just rip open. You want some fresh, uh, a melody, a vegetable melody. First off, whenever they advertise a vegetable melody, all I think about is an old folks home. That's all I think about, like carrots and peas and broccoli and just gross looking vegetables that have no nutritional value because they're really not vegetables. They're just like... They're the fake vegetables that preschoolers play with, but somehow we're feeding them to people. They take it, this this little container of their vegetable melody, pull the, the crappy paper off or the plastic off of it and microwave it. That's what they do. Can we get this recooked? Yep, microwave. Can we get this re- microwave? Microwave. They are microwaving everything. It's awful. Ugh, Applebee's is a nightmare. Just close it down, every single one of them down. Same with Chili's which used to be a step better, but it's not, and Olive Garden. Put them in a blender, liquefy them, and dump them down the drain. But, like I said, everybody who had any sort of potential for late-night entertainment revenue, they couldn't stay open till 2 a.m. And 2 a.m. has been kind of like the mainstay for drinking. Now, there are different places, New York and Chicago and overseas and stuff like that, and (laughs) Vegas, which doesn't, and then, of course, Miami, last calls at, like, 6 a.m., that do that. But for the most part, 2 a.m. was kind of an industry standard. We'll do last call at 1.30. You have until 1.45 to get your drinks up. You get your butt out the door at 2 a.m. Lights go on. Grab whoever you're going home with. Catch an Uber or a taxi or walk and get out. That's it. That's been the industry standard. And a lot of places that could stay open till 2 a.m., especially back in Michigan when I was there, they did. Now, sometimes they would adjust. They would only do that 2 a.m. late night call on the weekends. On a Monday at 2 a.m., I mean, unless you're in a really popping area like a college town or you have a reason to be open till 2 a.m., you're not getting much. Even with football, Monday night football, it's over. People are going home. They got to go back to work. So it's not... Again, if it's a very, you know, you're in the city and it's a, there's an event or a concert or it makes sense. But for the most part, they would, they would focus it on the weekends. Well, here in Frisco, 
Now, mind you, this isn't all of Texas. This is Frisco, where I was only worried about. You couldn't do it. So here I have this great night at this bar I was working at, this amazing bar, that as soon as I say amazing bar, most people that know me uh, have listened to what I talked about or worked with me understand what place I'm, I'm referring to. Probably one of the greatest bars I've ever worked at, and I've worked at a lot. And we had a vibe. I mean, you could have a Tuesday night where there was a full bar, people on the patio, people in front, people sitting on the couches, people hanging out. You really could have 100 people there on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. I used to do these pint nights, and I would do them, I think, on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. This was back before like you could really be accessible to beer glasses. Now it's like nobody wants beer glasses because everybody has them, and we're just tired of them, you know? Um, they don't really, they do pie nights and stuff, but it's, it's just not, it's not like it was. This was a huge thing. So we would debut a new beer typically, bring a new beer on tap that we haven't done. Might be from a new brewery that we've never brought into the location, or it could be from a brewery that they've got a new release. And we would do a buy the beer, keep the glass, sometimes buy the two beers, get two different glasses. We give away swag, stickers, the brewery was there and it was a fun night. And you built up your regulars on a Tuesday night and you just sold the beer till it ran out, till the glasses went out. There was sometimes I only got like 24 glasses. They were so unique. And some of the times I had to pay for them. According to TABC, that's the Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission, a.k.a. the Gestapo, um, breweries could not give you glassware because it was, it was showing... Favoritism. Yeah, they were showing favoritism by giving me glassware. So they were basically like, I'm going to put their beer on tap because they gave me glasses. Look, if your beer sucks, it's not going on tap. It's just not the way it is. But they couldn't do it. But nine times out of ten, too, most of the breweries would create a invoice, insert air quotes, and I never have to pay it, and it would just disappear, and I get free glassware. <laughs> So, or I'd buy one and they drop off seven cases. You know, buy one for 20, we're giving you seven. You know what I mean? Like, it, there was always ways around it. But sometimes I really had to buy them and they would be like $3 a glass because they were very special. They were chalices or they were engraved or, and then, you know, you incorporate that into the beer. So you're paying, you know, $12 for a special beer. But most of the time when those beers were $12 or $10, it's because they were like 13.5% ABV or, you know, they were 100 IBUs, you know, for bitter beers. They were aged in bourbon barrels or, you know, something really unique. But we built up a really good crowd on a Tuesday night and a lot of times people didn't want to leave. But last call was 11.30. God forbid there was an FC Dallas game. We were right across the street from FC Dallas. And they got out at 10, 10, 15 on a Tuesday. A lot of times they didn't do that. But there were events, concerts occasionally, uh, high school events, other soccer matches. If there was something going on at the stadium and it got out at 10, 15 and they were like, well, let's just go across the street. There's all kinds of traffic. And we got the overflow in an hour. They're done. So you had an hour, and a lot of times the people that were going to these things on a Tuesday, and God forbid if it was summertime and nobody had school and nobody cared about work, they were calling out or they were on vacation, you had to end their fun 
at 11.30. So not only was that ending their fun, but it cut the revenue and it cut the tips and it cut wages. And and this was going on in Frisky, Frisco. We were losing a ton of business to Plano or Little Elm, which only had a few bars. And these cities border Frisco. So does McKinney, but that's a different animal too. So we're, really, we were losing business to Little Elm and Plano. So people would be like, yeah, I want to go to that bar, but they close at midnight. So let's just go to Little Elm and this one stays open until two or let's drive to Plano. Now, for some of these locations down by the mall, and I realize that a lot of you don't know the layout of Texas. So when I'm giving you this information, I'm trying to kind of just relate to how much revenue went across the, the street, essentially. And it hurt me as a general manager. It hurt my staff. It hurt me as a bartender, hurt the owners. I mean, it sucked. And we fought with it all the time. And on the weekends, still, it didn't change. We could stay open till 1 a.m. on Saturdays. That was it. So you're doing last call at 12.30, 12.45, drinks up, 1 o'clock, get out. Still losing money. You know how many times I would leave work early on a Saturday as a general manager if it was slow and just go to Plano or Little Elm to have drinks with my peeps? Which I would much rather stay in Frisco considering I lived like a, you know, <laughs> literally in walking distance from where I was working. But then they, you know, the area down by the mall is a huge entertainment area. It's it's bigger now than it was then, but there were bars and restaurants and the movie theater. If you had a late night movie and you got out at 11, 1045, yeah, you had all these bars and restaurants by you that you could just literally walk in the parking lot and go to. But you'd have to eat your food in 30 minutes and have a drink. But if you just got in a car, taxi, Uber, and cross the street, you were in Plano, and they were open to 2 a.m. And there was hotels there and bars there and restaurants. So everybody would just leave. So a lot of times these bars just shut down early because there was no reason for it. And you know how hard it is to watch your customer base just drive right by you. Hey, I'll see you on Monday, dude. Drive right by you and go across the street and give it to another city. It sucks. So there was a lot of movement to change the laws in Frisco. And one time in 2008, they tried to do that and it failed. A lot of people came out. A lot of the Q-tips came out. If you don't know what Q-tips are, I'll give you a minute to think about it. They didn't like it. They didn't want the riffraff and the shenanigans and hooligans and the street youths <laughs> to stay out on the road that late. So it failed. A lot of people didn't know about it either. They didn't do a really good job. Well, as I was working in this bar, I started to meet a lot of people. City council, the mayor, previous mayor, not the current mayor. Well, anyway. Um, businessmen. Big wigs of CEOs, companies, crap like that. And I networked. I networked a lot. I was really good at networking. I still am. Although I sometimes don't have the energy for it. Sometimes I don't have the energy to do this, but hey. And the conversation of what the change was going in Frisco from the businesses coming, from the cowboys potentially having their headquarters here in Frisco, which we do, it's funny that the Dallas Cowboys have their headquarters in Frisco and the stadiums in Arlington, none of which is in Dallas, which is a whole nother story. It reminds me of back when Detroit Lions used to play in Pontiac Silverdome before they came back 
to Detroit and the Detroit Pistons, who finally came back to Detroit. But similar situation. So I started to meet them, and there was lots of talks of how are we going to change this? Now, I'm not going to name drop because, I mean, this is all legitimate stuff. Uh, you can look it up online. I almost just dropped my, my computer, my laptop. Jeez. You can look it up online. And you can see this. But I wanted to just kind of talk in general. So I don't want to really give like the names. That's, it. That's all. But they were thinking about how are we going to change this and develop. Because this isn't, we are losing revenue. And there was research. There was meetings almost every week. We would have city council members come over, citizens come over, citizens, uh, customers that were involved with this, uh, people on different boards and businesses. They would all come to this location because we were directly across from City Hall, so I'm sure that'll give that away. And we were 21 and up all the time. From the minute I opened my doors in the afternoon at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. whenever I opened my doors... No kids were allowed in there whatsoever, period. We didn't have food. We would cater stuff in. Um, Big Ben's Barbecue, one of my buddies who, who does amazing brisket, would do stuff for us. We had our charcuterie trays, a.k.a. cheese boards and stuff. Um, and I would bring in food sometimes. There were times I had Jets uh, for a Christmas party. Uh, it was a customer appreciation party. I had Jets Pizza, uh, one of my boys from Detroit, R.I.P., who opened up a Jets down here, um, donated all the pizzas and breadsticks. And we, we did stuff like that, but we didn't have food. The cool thing was we were by a ton, so we'd have people deliver food to us, and you could stay and drink in the bar. But because of that, I couldn't have kids. And also, I didn't want kids in there. And I love kids. I just don't want them in a bar. This was a bar bar. This was adult conversations, dates, dancing, drinking, inappropriate stuff, live music. They didn't need to be around there. And we would do all kinds of things. We'd have all kinds of fun events and specials and, and, and festivals. I held two beer festivals there. So because of the location, it was great for meetings. And we would get that. We'd get the lawyers in there and, you know, insurance and this and everybody. But this is kind of where the PAC, P-A-C, kind of formed in my bar. And it was about a handful of citizens. They were working with the Frisco Chamber of Commerce and the Frisco uh, Economic Development Corporation, as well as grabbing local, local businesses and developers to get behind them to get this thing on the slate, on the bill, on the, the whatever, so people could vote for it and get this passed because it, was, it would be a huge revenue stream for Frisco. And they knew the challenges they faced. They knew what had to happen. And one of those things was We've got to get the word out on the street. We did not do, they did not do a good enough job, uh, job, I should say. They were not organized enough. They were not vocal enough. And it was a different time in 2008 from 2014. Social media exploded again in 2014. So there was all kinds of things we could do to get it. Well, me being who I am, I'm on board. So after about a, a second meeting they had, I went and sat with them. And I had already closed. I'd already cleaned up, but I let them hang out. So it was probably about 11.30, no, it was probably 12.15, somewhere around. We stayed till 2 a.m., all of us, talking and having a few drinks, um, closed and talking about what we needed to do. So I said, look, you need to make this bar like the official headquarters. 
meaning everything you do needs to stem from this bar. One, it was great advertising for me. Two, everybody that was anybody came into this place. Now, there was another bar down the street that was very active in this as well. And I don't want to say names, but it was a bar in Frisco. And I'll just say that we communicated a lot. We did a lot of things to promote each other. Um, I went to their bar. They came to my bar. And we really worked cohesively to get this pack information out there. As soon as they formed and we got the signs, you know, the yard signs and the flyers, my place was a buzz spot for pickups. You could pick up flyers. You could pick up signs. You could meet people. You could sign up. We had, not only that, we had an entire night that was dedicated to raise money so we could continue to advertise. We had major corporations. I should say not major corporations. We had major, major players and developers in there that were dropping a lot of money to make this thing happen. And it was gaining momentum. Big time. One day the news shows up. I I had just opened. It was me and I think a regular. And they wanted to talk about it. Hey, Brandon, you know, we hear that you're involved in this. And as a a bar manager, you know, general manager, how do you feel? So I was on TV. Channel 4, baby. I think it was Channel 4. I think so. And they talked about it and what it meant and why it was so important for us. And then, you know, he interviewed the regular and, and he said he was going to be back when it's time to vote. Well, as voting increased, as voting awareness increased, there was a pushback, a little bit of pushback. Now, a lot of people don't realize this because a lot of people are like, man, look, we totally, you know, we got this in the bag. But they don't realize that the Q-tips were coming out and some of the churches were coming out. This is where I think the hypocrisy in life just makes me angry. And the hypocrisy in Texas. Texas is so backwards. It's just backwards, okay? It just doesn't make sense, all right? So you you can't buy alcohol before, what, 11 o'clock on a Sunday, I think? I don't know. You can't. But yet I can go to a bar, watch soccer early, and have a mimosa. I can't go to the store and buy champagne to make my own. You can't buy liquor at all on Sundays, but I can buy as much beer and wine after 11 as I want. And the logic behind that is, well, liquor gets people drunk faster. Essentially, that's an old church thing, an old date thing. They didn't want people. What? So you're telling me that if, you know, have you seen some of these beers out there that have almost the same ABV as wine? You can go drink four bourbon barrel stouts and be freaking trashed. But that's okay as long as you don't buy some Jack Daniels. It doesn't make sense to me. It's stupid. Matter of fact, I know it's that way in other states too. It's stupid and pointless and it's embarrassing. Who cares when they buy it? If somebody wants to buy a bottle of wine at 9 a.m., I don't know what to tell them, man. What if they're going to a thing later that noon? What if they're going to church and after church they're going to a reception? I mean, who? why are we doing this? This is stupid. The other thing that's dumb about Texas, the fact that there's still dry counties anywhere in the country make me just question a lot of things about life. The other thing that's dumb about Texas is 10 o'clock, you're done. 
Can't buy can't buy liquor past ten o'clock. But you can go ahead and buy beer and wine till midnight, I think. <laughs> so once again, liquor's a no-no, but beer and wine, sure. Which is why you have to go to these places like Specs and Goody Goody and Total Wine to get liquor, or these crappy mom pop places that. I mean, like really bad mom and pop places that charge you like $40 for a bottle of crappy whiskey. Because all the other places like Kroger's and Market Street and I don't know who else that sell beer and wine and have a great selection can't sell liquor. Otherwise, they'd have to close that whole section down. And why Total Wine has to close then because they're not even allowed to have people in the store because they sell liquor, even though their beer and wine section and it's in their name, Total Wine, is huge because of the amount of liquor they have, it would have to be in a separate store. They would literally have to gate up an entire half of the store for them to keep one side open. I mean, this it's backwards. It is so backwards. The other thing, too, and the biggest complaint from this pushback was it's going to increase drunk driving. That is the dumbest, and we pulled up the statistics. That was one of the things that we did in this pack 2 a.m. Um, or 2 a.m. pack, whatever you want to call it. You're telling me that it, in- it increases drunk driving by 2 a.m. I say false. If anything, we were increasing drunk driving by sending those people, instead of driving two miles to go to a bar, they were now going six to ten miles to get to a bar in Plano or Little Elm, then driving back. Two miles is a lot easier to walk, get a ride, leave your car, lift just started creeping around then, um, catch a taxi, then it is to go 12 miles and cheaper. And when you're drunk, you're stupid, you're not thinking, so you're like, ah, I don't want to spend $30, I'll just drive, it's only 10 minutes. Boom. Drunk driving accidents. I mean, there was all kinds of backwards thinking that they did there. But we were gaining momentum because some of the people that were against it were talking about it. I held three different events at this bar with multiple people from multiple levels. From HOAs, from city council, business owners that were just not bar owners. We're talking about restaurants that closed early. We had the, we had somebody from a movie theater, I won't say where, which movie theater come in and said how much they wish this would happen because they noticed that their late night movie sales slow down for even big movies because people want to make an event out of it. They want to go to the movies and then go get a bite to eat or get a drink afterwards. And they can't. And who wants to go get drunk and go see a movie? I know some people do that. I don't want to do that. So their sales were down. So they were they were pushing for it. And we raised a lot of awareness for it. Well, it finally was going to be on the bill. Finally. And I was in communication with one of the leaders of this group. And I'm not going to say her name. But for daily. I had stickers everywhere. Bumper stickers. I had backpacks full of swag and reading material that I would hand out to everybody. Matter of fact, when it came down to voting day, I got up early. I went to nine maybe 10 different voting polls to sit there and just kind of get an idea of what people are doing. Hey, if you mind if I ask you, and most people were open. Yeah, I'm doing this. No, I'm not. It doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Well, if it doesn't affect you and you don't care, then vote for it. This is why you should. And I can tell you right now why I flip people. I even ran a deal, which is totally illegal. 
and it was off the record, but now it's on the record, so who cares, that if you voted yes and you came in and said, I voted yes and you had a voting sticker and you brought this little card, I gave him a card, said, you better vote yes. You got a free beverage. You got a free drink. That might have been just one beer or a house drink. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, Brandon, what if they just said they voted yes and then came in? Most people that, that, <laughs> that want a free drink that bad are going to vote yes anyway. They're not going to risk it and just say, well, I'm just going to go lie and get a free drink. Most people didn't. And I knew the people. I'm going to tell you right now on voting day, our bar was packed. I went to every, and most of these voting days were at schools. Are voting, you know, situation. There were some at schools, some at the uh, retirement community here and there. And I would go, and everybody I talked to, man, was down. Yeah, we were at that event. Oh, we saw you at the event. I was networking. Less. We were we were getting people from every type of industry to back us up. This thing was on fire. So at the end of the day, we won. It passed. I got called in. I wasn't, I wasn't working that night. I got called in. Hey, the news is here. They want to talk to you. I left my house, came over there, got on the news once again, and talked to everybody about it, talked to the news about it, probably like a four and a half minute, five minute, maybe seven, and then they cut it down, you know? After that, I'm looking around the bar, and all those people that were behind me and behind this event... And behind this mission to get this thing passed here in Frisco, Texas, so we could actually turn the corner as a society and as a city, we're there. I mean, big, big time, big players were there drinking. Um, it was a party on like a Tuesday night, a party. Now it didn't take effect until I forgot when. It wasn't immediately. They set the they set the date. And I think it fell during the week. But we ended up at that particular bar. The great thing about it was I could close at midnight on a Tuesday or Wednesday. But I always had that option to say, I'm just going to stay open until 2. Whereas before, I didn't have that option. I have a pack house. And I got to kick people out. Could you imagine? You'd have these events like New Year's Eve. Well, if New Year's Eve fell on a Tuesday, you were kicking people out before the ball dropped nobody's going to come to your place. You might get a happy hour for an hour or two, but we would even be hindered at my particular bar because we didn't have food. So we were going to be dead. And it kicked people out at midnight. I had a cigar lounge next door that stayed open later. <laughs> I mean, so now we could actually do something. Or God forbid, if, if New Year's Eve was on a Saturday, I'm still kicking people at one. Hey, the ball dropped. All right, last call. Bye, get out. St. Patrick's Day, you know, Final Four, concerts. This changed the game for us. And I'm telling you, it did. Because I remember New Year's Eve, the first New Year's Eve that we could stay open until 2. And I'm going to tell you, it was 145. I had a packed house, front, back, patio, everything. I don't think anybody left till like 3. <laughs> it was crazy. And the place was trashed. I'll never forget that. I don't think I left till like 5. I think at one point I just gave up. I was like, yeah, I'm done. That's why there was a lot of bars that would just not do New Year's Eve stuff or St. Patrick's Day stuff at night. They would focus it on during the day because they knew they had to cancel everything. You could only get so much money before people said, you know what, I want to celebrate at night. 
And if it was during a school day or a work day, you miss that entire day. I mean, you're going to get a handful of people that skip and call out of work for St. Patrick's Day, but you're not going to get the majority of the people like if it was on a weekend. But we won. I remember getting an email from somebody in the Frisco government, I'll say that, who's no longer there, who I really liked, and let's say, I'm trying to think. That's it. That's all I'll say. I don't give anything away. And he messaged me an email. Brandon, I want to thank you for your hard work. I saw you at the polls. I saw you on social media. I saw you with your email letters, your blasting. I saw you dropping off flyers, stickers. You were nonstop. And you continue to support Frisco. And he was just really supportive. It was awesome. Now, I'm not taking credit for making this happen. Let's be clear. It was a team I am just happy to be involved in. And I know for a fact that I got votes. And I know for a fact that I got into businesses that some of these people had a hard time getting into. Just because I knew them and I worked with them and I knew what to do. And therefore, because of that, they got on the bandwagon. And we changed Frisco. So now, when I look at FC Dallas and the concerts and what's going on at, uh, you know, at the Star in Frisco where the Cowboys are and the music venues that are coming, I'm like, man, this, none of this stuff would have hit the magnitude that it hit if it wasn't for what we did back in 2014. Because it changed Frisco. And here's the funny thing. I don't even care. I don't care that the bars are open till 2 a.m. Because I can't tell you the last time that I've been to a bar till 2 a.m. Maybe when I was out of town. I can't tell you the last time that I've been to a... I can't say last time I've been to a bar here recently and definitely stayed till 2 a.m. I got no desire to. Not saying I'll never do it. I mean, that's... that. You know, it'll, it could probably happen one day. I just don't care. I'm in a different place. But I think the opportunity should be there for people. I don't think that we should stop that. I think it's complete from the taxes, from the revenue, from food, from vendors. I mean, it helps so many people from jobs. So this was a big deal. I mean, I knew eventually one day I would not care about it, and I don't. But I would care if it's not there. It's the same thing I feel about smoking. Look, smoking's crap, okay? It's garbage. And anybody that still smokes, I'm sorry for you. I'm not judging you do you, but you know you're just sucking Grim Reaper. Wow, that sounded awful. But that's what you're doing. You know it. But I have a problem when the government steps in and says that a business can't allow smoking in it like a bar. Tells them no. And that they can't even do it on the patio. They have to do it 10 feet off the patio. <laughs> Because the wind is not going to blow this much. Like, I have a problem with that. I think it should be up to a business to decide. And people have said, well, Brandon, nobody wants to go to a business that smokes. And I understand that because that's why some of those businesses that used to have smoking, one of the bars I was in used to have smoking, they quit. They changed it. No, we ain't doing it anymore. Because they realized how many people were not smoking and it was hurting them. Well, that was their decision. I don't think that the government should tell anybody. I think it should be the bar decision. But what about all those people that are smoking that still go out and drink? 
Because it's not like it's a 2% of the world. I know the numbers have dropped as people have gotten smarter and cigarettes have gotten more expensive, but let's be real. Those cigarette companies are still making a ton of money. You might not see it advertised as much, but they are. So why should the government be able to say, hey, you have a bar, you can't have people smoking here? I don't think it's fair. I don't smoke. I have zero desire to smoke, and I won't go to a place that has smoking if it's like you know full like that. That's me. But what about everybody else? You and the government's like, well, you know, we're trying to trying to help people's health and take care of everybody. Really? But you'll let them pound back 17 shots, eat the fattest food in the world that will probably kill you quicker. But hey, it's just smoking doesn't have the sex appeal anymore. Drinking's okay. I mean, come on. Don't don't give me a break. Don't act like you're trying to help anybody. It's government interference. I, I really believe that. But this was a win. This was a win for Frisco. And I think about what if it didn't win? You know, it would eventually win and it would eventually get back on the, on the bill and it would eventually get there. But what if it didn't? I wonder how many of these places would have survived? How many of these places would have never made it uh, in the first place? Never even opened? You know, would Jerry Jones have said, hey, I'm bringing the Dallas Cowboys to Frisco if he couldn't get 2 a.m.? I feel like that's a negative. I feel like they knew it was coming. And that was a catalyst to make it come. So anyway, that's my story. That's my political story. It was a fun time and it was really cool to see that and be part of something that you believe in. That's when I feel like the government stuff is good to get involved in. Local, not on the big level. I don't care about that. But anyway, it's a Life of an Average Show podcast. Guys, join me next week. Man, I am stoked for next week's episode. I've got the guys from the Notes Magoats podcast. You can check them out. These guys are from Michigan. I've known them for quite some time. We became uh, friends. Look, let's just call it as it is. We're friends. You know, I supported their podcast. I listened to it. I enjoyed it. Then I met them. Then I was on it. We did a one uh, several months ago. I'll drop a link to that uh, from Mumford & Sons uh, where we talked about their album, Babel. Um, I'm bringing them on for a very fun podcast we did. And uh, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a, a podcast where we talk about cover songs. You know, you've gone to the bars and you've hung out and you've seen bands play and all that. But what about those big, large bands that put out a cover song? Is it a good idea? Is it better than the original? Is it worse? Is it just different? You know, what makes it a cover song and how do you s decide to choose it? We're going to dive into cover songs and I'm very excited to have these guys on for the first time. The Notes My God's podcast won't be the last as in December, I'll be making my way to Michigan. So we are going to do something uh, ridiculous, I'm sure. So make sure you check that out. You can always go to lifeofanaverageshowpodcast.com to click on any of my sponsors, my amazing sponsors. You got those tattoos, guys. Winter's here. Well, it's not, but winter's coming. The air's getting drier. So is your skin. That affects your tattoo. Don't let your tattoo turn into a 95-year-old smoker when you just got it. You, sp you paid a lot of money for that. There's a lot of art, hard work that goes into that. And that's art on, on your body. You want to take care of it. Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare will do that. And they have the winter balm now. And I've noticed a difference. I've noticed. You can check out before and after pictures as well. It takes care of the skin underneath and takes care of your actual tattoo, giving it that life again. It's like a, a rejuvenation. All natural, not tested on animals. If you click on the link, you get a nice little discount. So go ahead and do that.
All right, guys, I'll be back next week with uh, my boys, the Notes Mo Goats podcast. Thanks for listening.